frequency of heaven I want to be. Good morning and welcome to the Frequency of Heaven podcast. This is August. We're in the month of August. The year is flying by. Football will be starting soon. I know I'm excited about that. And uh, wow, this week has gotten the the temperature's gone down a little bit, and uh, I'm down here in the church park again. You might hear some of God's uh, creation. Uh, I can hear the bugs or the locusts, whatever is making those noises, and um, just a gorgeous day. And I pray that God is uh, moving and working in your life. I, in fact, I know He is. I, I ask that, uh, let's just pray this right now. Heavenly Father, would you open the eyes of our hearts to see the, the hope the inheritance, and the power. God, your word says to rejoice in hope always. Give us a heart of expectation. God, give us a heart of expectation. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I think waking up every day expecting, the word in the Bible for hope means to expect, and it's so powerful to wake up expecting good things from God. I want to talk today about the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to talk about quenching the Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit. Now, you you know that the Holy Spirit is the, the third part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the one who's here now. He is called in 1 Corinthians 12, Lord um, uh, of the church, or he actually in 2 Corinthians 3, he's called Lord. And in 1 Corinthians 12, we find out he's over the church. He gives gifts to people in the church as he deems appropriate. And so he's here now, he's working. Christ is Lord of all, and the Spirit is moving and operating, and Lord, he's in the church, and he's the one that lives in us. And of course, the Holy Spirit and Christ are one. In fact, I think it's in Philippians that the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. And so we have all these things that we we study and know about the Holy Spirit, and and I remember clearly being taught many times in Scripture, you know, the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. A dove is more of kind of, kind of a nervous water bird, a gentle bird. And there's several verses that connect the Holy Spirit with gentleness, including the fruit of the Spirit. And that there's a, there's a gentleman aspect, a gentle aspect to the Holy Spirit. In, in Ephesians 5, we might read that one in a little while. Or actually, at Ephesians 4, at the end, it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So you can, you can hurt him. Remember, the, uh, um, blaspheming the Holy Spirit is the only sin that can ever be forgiven. And so there's, you can, I guess you can blaspheme the Father and Jesus and that'll be forgiven. But it says you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it won't. And so you're not supposed to grieve the Holy Spirit. And when you read the context there in Ephesians uh, 4 at the end, a lot of it is talking about the kind of things you say with your tongue and how you get along with people. Don't make him sad by how you treat other people. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit is someone you can make sad. Now you think of tough, almighty God, you think of Jesus taking the nails on the cross, and you think, wow, you know, um, when you hear about the Holy Spirit, you can grieve him. But there is this gentle dimension. He's, he's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity, and he's real, and you can offend him. You can hurt him because, you know, we invite the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts, to live in our hearts, just like we'd have a guest come live in our house. 
But sometimes when the guest comes to live in our house, we we might treat them good at first, but you know, after a while, you you get used to them, and the newness wears off, and you know, familiarity can breed contempt. They say. But it also says in 1 Thessalonians 5 that you can quench the Spirit. Now, I want to read this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. I think the whole context is really good, but we'll just, for simplicity's sake, we'll focus in on these verses and, and just ask the question, what does it mean to quench the Spirit? Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject what is evil. So immediately when you see this language of quenching, um, you know, the idea of a fire comes to mind because you can pour water on a fire and on the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit came down and they settled on them and you, there was fire and Jesus said or actually John the Baptist said Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire so that boldness that love that ministry mindset where you're taking the gospel to people and you're doing God's work is that bright burning fire now flip over here to you um, second Timothy I think gives us a little bit of an insight in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul tells young Timothy this, verse 6, For this reason I remind you, fan into flame. So if the Holy Spirit's a fire, you can quench him, but then he, the fire can kind of go down. But fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the spirit God gave does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And so when you see those three things, and some versions say uh, power, love, and sound mind, it is possible somehow when this fire of the Holy Spirit to quench him, to grieve him, to make it less. Now, in particular, what does that look like in a Christian? How can we identify when we might be doing this? Well, I think it's important to understand the goal of the Holy Spirit. And we read these in Scripture, but, you know, and he says there in Ephesians 5 to, that we're supposed to be like Christ. We can read it in John 14, 26 and John 15, 26. The Holy Spirit, one of his big goals is to remind us of Jesus and to remind us of his teaching and to testify about Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in us to help us to be like Christ. It says in Acts 10, verse 38, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. The Holy Spirit actually came upon Jesus. We know that it happened at his baptism, but it says in Acts 10, 38, and it gave in the spirit of power, and Jesus went around freeing people from the power of the devil and doing good. All right, so we're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to have the Holy Spirit, and we know the Spirit does at least two things. He gives us the gifts of the Spirit, and there's a couple different lists Actually, there's three, four different lists in the Bible of spiritual gifts. But this list, the, the gifts of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit giving us special power, uh, even on an individual level, so that we can do God's work. And we know that the Holy Spirit gives us fruit. So let, let's just boil it down. Let's say the Holy Spirit is doing these three big things. He's here to make us like Jesus. And he's here to give us the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace the character part. 
and the ability, the gifts, okay? So if the Holy Spirit is here to make us like Jesus and we're supposed to have the gifts and we're supposed to have the fruit, the real character, we quench the Holy Spirit, we're not gonna be like Jesus and we're not gonna have gifts operating like they should and we're not gonna have the character. We're not gonna have the love, the joy, the peace, the patience. So we don't wanna quench the Spirit because we, we wanna be like Jesus. We wanna have gifts and we wanna have fruit. And uh, let me illustrate it this way. Um, I remember one time a friend of mine was talking about this um, young preacher who was really, really talented. He had won preaching contest, and but then he got fired early on in his career as a preacher. And then he went to another church and got fired. And in fact, he might've gone to a third church and got fired. And it never had to do with his gift. His gift of preaching was very, very, very strong. It always had to do with his fruit. His gifting, super high. His fruit was pretty low. And I think when you're young and super talented and have a gift and people jump up and down and they, they talk a lot about how awesome you are, sometimes that can go to your head. Sometimes you can pride. And you might neglect the fruit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You might neglect those things because you were so talented. And I think you can see that in sports. Sometimes you'll have a rookie or first, second, third year guy, very, very, very talented, but doesn't have a lot of humility. <laughs> doesn't get along with people off the field. They keep getting in trouble with the law. You know, they're very talented, but their, their character is low. It's the same way in the church. So you, and then you might see someone out here who the, there's really strong and trustworthy, but there's no real obvious, you know, great talent. But you know what? That person consistently can be a humble servant of God and serve God for decades and decades. They're faithful. They're consistent. So the fruit, I have a friend who wrote a, a book on the fruit of the spirit. And he, he, in some ways, maybe he's joking, but he kind of makes the argument that the devil might be more scared of the fruit of the spirit than he is the gifts of the spirit. Because you know, you can have someone super, super, super gifted. And if they're not, if they're not yielded in their self-control and they get caught doing something they shouldn't be doing, preachers have gotten caught doing all kinds of things. Made They made headlines and actually gave Christianity a bad name. Their character was low. Their gifts were so high, but their character was low. And yeah, they did a lot of big things when they were rolling in their spiritual gifts, but eventually the lack of character, the lack of fruit of the spirit, it actually smeared the name of Christ. And so sometimes just having someone who's not super maybe gifted, but they're humble, they're steady, they're strong in the fruit in the long run. Remember the tortoise and the hare? <laughs> in the long run, they win the race. And so those are just, this kind of a framework I think is helpful to understand about the Holy Spirit. And now you jump back into verse, let's read this again. It says, don't quench the spirit. But right before it says, don't quench him. Don't, don't take the fire down. It says, rejoice always. That's not easy. Now it's gonna say over here later, be thankful, you know, give thanks in, in verse 18. So we're supposed to be always giving you know, rejoicing and praising God. We're supposed to be consistent in our prayer. We're supposed to constantly be giving. These are disciplines. 
These are not things that just people with certain personalities do. You know, it's really easy to say, man, that person is just good with money. You know, I'm not good with money. They're good with money. They always have money. They're good at making money, and then they have a lot of money in savings, and and then then they retired early, and and say, well, I'm just not good with money. Or you can say that person's healthy and they're fit and they just have a higher metabolism. It's really easy to look out, see someone who seems to be successful in something and say, well, that's just how they are. That's, I, I can't be like that. Well, well, this person who's fit and healthy, go watch what they eat. Ask them, what do you eat every day? How much do you exercise? What do you absolutely avoid not eating? And maybe, you know, this person who's good at money and, and, and it's easy to just say, oh, they're good at money and I'm not. What are their spending habits? How do they spend their money? Uh, how do they not spend their money? Maybe sometimes when we just, well, that person's just joyful. That person's just thankful. Maybe upon closer examination, you find habits. There's actual habits they've developed with food, with money, with joy, with Thanksgiving. There's actual disciplines that they've built into their life that they work, and it's maybe some of it is. Maybe some of it is a natural ability with money. Maybe some of it is a natural ability with health and dieting, and maybe it's a natural ability with joy and things. But I guarantee sometimes there's, there's principles and disciplines they have worked into their life you, you, that all of us need and all of us can work on. And, and not just that they have a special superpower that, that we don't, but maybe we can learn and grow in those things. Um, I have a friend recently who was sharing with me um, uh, the, a situation where they're frustrated and they, they felt like they needed to say something. And I didn't counsel this person. But m- for me, if I were in that situation, a discipline that I have tried to build into my life is that I really, really believe, uh, the Holy Spirit told me this one day, there's a spirit of drama and arguing, complaining, and drama. And many times people think they're standing up for Christ. Many times people think they're doing the right thing. And of course, a house divided cannot stand. Satan really wants to bring accusation. Satan really wants to bring division. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just not talk. I know that may sound funny. That may sound, but it's a discipline. It's a discipline I built in my life. And I'm going to tell you, I see people. They they come to me. I've had I've had people come to me recently, all been out of shape because they got entangled into an, a discussion online or otherwise that honestly probably was not a healthy decision to ever engage in that conversation. You know, it says in 1 Peter 2, 9, we're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are God's special possession called out of darkness into his wonderful light to complain about things. No, no. All of that is in 1 Peter 2, 9. We're, we're caught out of darkness in the light and we have an identity in Christ that we might declare praises. As the Bible says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what builds up others. The Bible says, do everything without complaining or arguing. There is a spirit of drama that people get sucked into and they're having conversations and they get hurt, they get wounded and there's all this stuff that, this fallout 
like from a nuclear bomb has fallout. There's conversations that have fallout. And, there, and, I, and I saw it. I saw it before it ever got close to me. There was a spirit of drama. And I'm going to tell you something. Where there is loneliness, I, I've seen this. I observed this. I believe it's all in my heart. Where there's loneliness, that spirit of drama will sneak in the back door and tempt people incredibly. Because there's intimacy with Christ that will take care of loneliness. Well, if you know that God has an answer, the devil's always going to have a counterfeit. He always has a counterfeit. The spirit of a drama, in my opinion, is something the enemy stirs up and, and gets people in gossip and slander and, and unhealthy conversations online and offline and in every place uh, around the water cooler. There, we just don't need to be talking about this topic right now. And really what's going on is just like someone who's super, super, super hungry will eat bad, bad junk food. I mean, they'll, they'll eat, you know, like state, you know, like <laughs> fried Oreos. You know, at the Iowa State Fair, they have fried butter. You know, I mean, they have stuff at the Iowa State Fair you should never put in your body. <laughs> but if you're hungry enough, you'll eat about anything. And I, I believe there's a spirit of drama that happens in people who are very, very relationally starving get so tempted by that. Now, I have things, that, and I, I get really, really tempted too. But what I'm trying to say is there are disciplines that we need to build into our lives so that we don't fall victim to quenching the spirit. Because the spirit of drama is a perfect illustration for this verse. Look at this. It says, rejoice always. Well, if you're giving in to unhealthy things... Uh, it could not, maybe not even arguments and, and gossip. Maybe it's just um, fretting or playing something through your mind or, or, or watching things that are super unhealthy and that bring you down. You're not going to rejoice always. What, you know, this is don't quench the spirit. Could it be we, we pick up our phone, we, we go to watch a movie, we go to have a conversation that the spirit is there, beloved. He, he's right there, and he's saying, mm, no, uh, be quiet, just walk away. Don't quench him. Don't. He's trying to protect your fire. And you're about to enter something, that, and if you get into that, you're not going to be rejoicing always. Like, like every time we go to complain about something, are we rejoicing? Probably not. <laughs> We're not praising God and rejoicing, you know? And, and so... So we need to be rejoicing always. The Spirit will be there. And there's verses that talk about the Spirit warns us. The Spirit guides us in all truth, John 16, 13. The Holy Spirit's trying to lead us. It actually says in Galatians 5, be in step with the Holy Spirit. Let him guide you. Walk with him. So if if you are in a situation and you're about to start a conversation, you're about to, you're, maybe you see a spat going on online. And you feel convinced. You know what? Sometimes the Lord does raise up a, a David and you're supposed to say something. But I am asking you to wait. And look at the next part. It says pray continually. Okay. Pray without ceasing. Begin to give thanks. I remember one time a guy came to me in our church and he was very upset. Now, the man he is upset with didn't come to my church, but he's a friend, a mutual friend. And this person was just going on and on about how they feel like they need to, con they say something to this guy, say something to this guy. 
And this guy was going through some hard stuff. He was going through some hard stuff. In fact, he ended up having a divorce. And this friend from my church who saw our mutual friend struggling and about to go through a divorce, wanted, he's like, you know, Caleb, I think I'm going to call him. I'm going to kind of just tell him I see this dysfunction in your life. And all I did, I just prayed and I listened, but I kept thinking about two things. Job was a righteous man going through some hard things. And there's some people that came to Job who thought they had wisdom, thought they had insight, and began to confront Job and kind of um, tell him he was doing wrong and there's no way you're going through this unless you know God did something. And Job's friends were wrong. Job's friends should have just been quiet. And I never want to be one of Job's friends. And so as we're watching our mutual friend struggle, I reminded this guy, you know, sometimes we are tempted and we, we need discernment. We, and I just said, really pray before, before you call our mutual friend who's going through a rough time, ended up finally having a divorce. I said, make sure this is not a Job's friend situation. And then I said, also, you know, the Bible says, if you're about to deal with some, somebody else's eye, deal with the plank in your own. And it doesn't say don't help people. It says so you can see clearly to help that other person. It, it doesn't say we shouldn't confront. In, in fact, it is teaching us how to confront. And a lot of people will misquote Matthew chapter uh, uh, 7 there. But it, we're not supposed, that verse doesn't say don't make it. Uh, analysis and, and just stay out of it, what it says is if you're going to get involved in confronting that person, first deal with the junk in your eyes so you can see clearly. And I asked him to do that. Well, he came back to me, I don't know, a while later, maybe a week later, and he said, you know, I prayed and I really felt like I was about to attack them out of my own weariness and that the Lord actually wasn't asking me to engage him and to confront him and to, to stir stuff up, that that was more my flesh. It really wasn't the spirit. Now, that, that wasn't necessarily, I, I didn't know. When he came to me and he wanted to say those things, I, I, I didn't feel really led the other. I just wanted to give him scripture to filter through so he can make a wise decision. Are you quenching the spirit by talking to him like that? Or is, this, is that your flesh or is that the spirit? And you know what? These kind of verses help us. You know, am I, am I rejoicing always? Am I praying continually? Am I giving thanks in all circumstances? Because that's God's will for me. You know, and in this is don't quench a prophecy. Is there something being said? And I, I'm, I'm saying, oh, that's not, really, that's not really God. But these are the ways we quench the spirit. Now, and I want to give you another, another side of this. I think this is so brilliant how the Lord, I mean, the Lord is brilliant. He's so, he's so awesome. I want you to think about a time when you need breakthrough. I, I've had this happen over and over and over, beloved, where I'm not, uh, something is not right, something's not well, and I get a thought to rejoice, to pray, or to give thanks. Kind of that, there's almost a trinity there <laughs> that it's talking about. And I, and I won't do it. Am I quenching the spirit? Probably. And then it says, don't despise prophecies. Is there a verse? Is there something someone has told me in my life and I'm not listening to it? So part of not quenching the spirit is 
it keeps me from getting in drama that I shouldn't ever be in. But it also, when we, when you are blocked up, when something's not right, the Holy Spirit might have you rejoice. He might have you pray. He might have you confess. He might have you ask for forgiveness. He might have you apologize. Proverbs 17, 9 says, foster love. He may have you reach out to someone and try to make amends. You know, leave your gift at the altar, go be reconciled. I mean, who knows? But sometimes, I believe that the Holy Spirit is, he wants to bring the fire. He wants to bring breakthrough. And, 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 and sometimes, sometimes what we do, we get hurt, we get offended, and we, we don't say something hateful. We don't say something spiteful, but we withhold love. Now, what's the first fruit of the Spirit? Love. There are times I believe we quench the Spirit because He wants us to give love, and we don't. The Holy Spirit said, go get them a glass of water. The Holy Spirit was prompting us, a pat them on the back. The Holy Spirit was saying, yes, they're needy. Yes, they're broken and it's messy. Just listen. And, and, and you, you know, <laughs> all of us have seen that call come through. I'm like, oh, I'm not answering that right now. <laughs> and sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's okay. But sometimes we might be quenching the Spirit. So there's lots of ways we can quench the Spirit. But I, I want to tell you, be careful about engaging in gossip and drama that it, you're, when you do, you're going you're gonna to lose your rejoicing. You're not going to be praying and you're not going to be giving thanks. <laughs> and you quench the Spirit. But also, sometimes there's something the Spirit's prompt. Get up and worship. Get up and pray. Start praying. Start dancing. Go reconcile. Foster love. Like the Spirit is right there to give you breakthrough, but don't quench Him. Don't resist Him. You know, start... How, how do you build a campfire? You get some little twigs dry. You get a, you got to get a piece of paper. And um, you know what? I just thought of something. This is so funny. I never thought the Holy Spirit's guiding me here. The man who came to me and asked me about what he was going to say to this friend, and I gave him verses and he decided not to talk. You know, so, this is so funny. That is the exact same guy who taught me how to make a campfire. He was an Eagle Scout and very good at all kinds of stuff like that. And I was in my 20s and I really didn't know how to make a campfire. And we were at a men's retreat and he said, Caleb, I'm watching you. What you're doing is you're, the logs, that you're, you're starting off with these big logs. He said, like, go get some twigs. And he showed me a specific way to, to, wound, uh, to wad up the newspaper. And then in, now he's like, now get a, some sticks that are a little bit bigger and then a little bit bigger than your logs. Get a little fire going. Okay, now slow. Don't he, he don't quench it. He said, "Don't add these huge logs on." Okay, now take this second these bigger sticks, not logs. These bigger sticks are now the bigger sticks. Now, twenty minutes later, put that log on there or whatever it is. That same guy is the one who taught me how to make a fire. Isn't that funny? I just that just dawned on me. In this verse, is saying, "Don't quench the spirit." You know what? Start small, start obeying, start doing what God says. He's going to get that flame going in you strong. Why don't you read 1 Thessalonians? This is your, your, your assignment as we get off here. Read 1 Corinthians, oh, sorry, 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 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Read the whole chapter. 
and ask the Lord, is there any way that you might be quenching the spirit? And how can you build the fire again? <laughs> Lord, we love you. We need you. We thank you for the wisdom from your word. Oh my goodness. We thank you for the wisdom of your word. Lord, and help us to pray continually. Help us to pray without ceasing. God, baptize us again in your Holy Spirit and fire. And God, I pray for your heart to be alive in us so that we can take your gospel everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, have an awesome week, beloved. In Jesus' name. heaven. I want to be on the frequency of Christ.